It is great to see you. I'm so glad you're here today. My name is Mel. I'm the lead pastor here at the Summit Church. And I want to welcome you, all of you that are here uh, with us, worshiping in person. And those of you that are watching online at summittogether.com, thanks for worshiping with us and making the Summit a part of your day today. Um, If you're a guest with us, there's a guest card in that seat back in front of you. I would love for you to fill that card out and just let us know more about you. Drop it off at the cafe before you leave. You can also connect with us on all of our social media as well, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We'd invite you to connect with us there and just find out more about what's going on at the Summit. Um, Hello. How are you? Doing well. This is my wife, Kim. Um, and uh, the, yeah, give her a round of applause. She deserves Thanks. it. And, uh, and she is going to tell you a little bit about our women's conference coming up. I'm excited about it, even though I'm not a woman. Um, we've got a lot of good things coming up. Tell us, why should the ladies care about the women's conference that's coming up? Why should, why should it matter? Well, because it's going to be a life-changing weekend. And I know that many of you who don't choose not to attend, you're going to hear all of these amazing things about it and wish you would have come. And so um, it's going to be great for girls, junior high age, all the way up to um, great grandmas. So this is a conference that that all ages are going to get a lot out of it. And early bird registration is only available for two more weeks. And so after two weeks, the prices are going to go up by $10. So the easiest way is to get your tickets online at sheisbrave.org. Sheisbrave.org. Or you can, um, if you want to pay with a cash or check, you can come to the bookstore. But we have assigned seating for this conference. And so literally, if you're going to, you still have an opportunity to get the best seats in the house. And so you'll have the same seat for the entire conference. You don't have to worry about coming to save your seat or coming here two hours early to get a good seat. Because we're going to have guys like me standing around. If somebody's in your seat, we're going to break their knees. That's right. Yeah. I've got a wiffle bat that does some damage. (laughs) Right. So, yeah. He has to bring in the humor. (laughs) I do. I'm sorry. I can't help it. That's all right. I'm glad. But also, you can pick up these flyers in the lobby and take them to invite your friends. But we want you to be here, and we hope you come. Yeah. Thank you, babe. Why don't you give her a round of applause? Uh, don't forget as well this weekend, it's Kids Fest. Uh, it's Saturday from 2 to 6. It's going to be out back, and uh, I just want to encourage you. It's going to be come and go. You don't have to come and stay the whole time or anything like that, but there's going to be games and prizes and all kinds of things. And really, this is just an opportunity for us to love on our community. It's just an opportunity for us to have a free event for our community, no strings attached. So um, I would love for you to come out. And this is, again, this is not just for you to bring your kids or grandkids. This is for you to bring uh, your neighbors who don't go to church anywhere. This is for you to bring uh, your coworkers and their family who, who don't have a church home or maybe are far from God. This is just an on-ramp, basically, an opportunity for them to be on our campus, see what we do, and just see the love of God. And hopefully this would be an on-ramp to our church and an opportunity for them to know the love of Christ. And so I just want to encourage you, invite as many people as you possibly can. There are cards just like this one out in the lobby. Go take some with you. Um, invite people from your work. Get them here. And, uh, and let's just see what happens. It's going to be a great event. And I'm going to speak for Pastor Matt. I don't know if he's in here. But um, I can promise you, if you are a kids worker, if you normally help with the kids ministry, they can use your help. But if you're interested in serving, if you're already a volunteer with us, and you're interested in serving and helping that day for an hour or two or maybe the whole event, you're interested in helping set up or clean up at the end, um, let Pastor Matt know. We would love for you to help with that. It's going to be a great day. It's going to be a lot of work. Um, I I really expect to have a couple thousand people come out through the course of the day. And so we would love for you to be here. But if you'd like to serve, we'd love for you to do that as well. Also want to remind you, 
Uh, coming up on September 12th, we are relaunching our Saturday night services again. And so we are going to be having Saturday night starting September 12th at 6.30 p.m. So we'll have Saturday night service at 6.30 p.m., Sunday morning services at 9.30 and 11, just like normal. So we'll be adding that in September um, for... Uh, for the foreseeable future until, until we have a reason not to do them. So we will continue to do Saturday nights, and they're going to be great. I'm excited about them. Uh, but as we're launching Saturday nights, we're also bringing back a series we did last year called At the Movies. And so we're going to be doing that again this year. And uh, if you're not familiar with that, feel free to go back and look at uh, the archived videos from the, from. September, we had a great time in the month of September with At The Movies. We're going to be doing that again this year, and so we'll start that September 12th and 13th. There's some invites out in the lobby that look like this one. Take them to work. Invite your friends and neighbors. Um, this series that we're going to be doing in September is kind of the opposite of the series we're in now. The series we're in now, <clears throat> we're taking Scripture, and we're trying to drill down deep into it. Um, the series we're going to be doing in September is also going to be full of Scripture. We're also going to be talking about the Word of God, but it is for... Uh, it's for unbelievers, basically. It's for you to be able to invite your friends and, and have them come and hear the gospel in a really clear, simple, basic way um, that, that we're using movies and movie clips to help illustrate what the Word of God says. So we're not preaching from movies. We're using movies as vehicles to help illustrate what the Word of God is already teaching. Does that make sense? So invite your friends, invite your neighbors. So when you invite your friend, don't say, my pastor said I had to invite all my unsaved friends, so... <laughs> Why don't you come to church with me? Because you're a pagan. So don't do that, okay? <clears throat> Just tell them, hey, this is what we're going to be doing. We'd love for you to come with us. So uh, be here in September. You don't want to miss it. We're going to have a great time. Uh, let me jump right into our message today. <clears throat> uh, let me say, too, I know we don't have a ton of our IUP students back. It's good to have our students back. So I've seen several of you guys here today. Glad you're back. <clears throat> I will say for the record, though, all of our students are the ones that when they're crossing the street, they look for traffic. Those are, those are our students, okay? Um, I've decided, I told one of our ushers before service, uh, I, wanna, I wanna propose an idea that, um, that every person that lives within the borough of Indiana can hit one pedestrian per year with no penalty. <laughs> just, just one, and I'm, we're not trying to kill anybody, we just wanna send a message is all I'm saying. Like, and so, um, anyway. You hit one, and they'll tell the rest. I'm just telling you. Like, but we're glad to have our IUP students back, even though I just said I would run you over with a car. Um, <clears throat> you know, we're going to get back into Sermon on the Mount today. We're in Matthew chapter 7, um, and, and we're moving in this, in this portion of Scripture, and we've been on this the entire summer, but we're moving in this portion of Scripture from this area where Jesus is talking about a personal sin and personal temptation, and he's kind of shifting gears a little bit where he starts talking about interpersonal relationships and, and temptation in regards to other people and, and how we treat other people. And he, he begins to shift, but at the end of the day, he's still dealing with our heart, and he's still dealing with what's going on inside of us as motivation for action. And so let me start in Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. And this is a passage of Scripture that even unbelievers know well, and it says, "'Judge not that you be not judged.'" Don't you love it when people use that scripture? You say, hey, this is, I, this is what I see, and I'm not sure if this is the right thing. And they go, hey, judge not lest you be judged. And they quote it in the King James. And it's like, you've never even been in church in your life, but you know that scripture, right? It's kind of like the, uh, the Ephesians 5, women submit to your husbands. It's like, hey, woman, submit. Like, they can quote it. They don't even go to church, right? So people know this scripture. Judge not that you be not judged. And it goes on in verse 2 to say, for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. 
And with the measure you or the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Basically, what the scripture is saying is the same manner in which you judge is how you will be judged. And so the way we interpret this a lot of times is do not judge, period, right? Because the truth is, none of us like accountability, do we? None of us like somebody telling us we're doing something wrong or we need to get better or, or, or maybe we're insufficient in an area. But the truth is, sometimes we need people to tell us, don't we? I mean, gosh, if you've ever worked at a job, you know if it's been a good job, you've probably had reviews. And every year, twice a year, we review our staff here at the summit. So we do an annual review, and then we do a mid-year review as well. And it's just a way for us to go, hey, here's the things you're doing well, but here's some things you probably need to improve on. And it's just a way for us to keep on the same page. I heard a, a person recently say, don't be so quick to judge others. Take your time and really get into it. <laughs> That's not from Scripture. That wasn't Jesus saying that, by the way. But, but we are quick to quote that Scripture when we feel like we're being judged. But at the same time, we're pretty quick to judge others. We're pretty quick to make assumptions about situations based on incomplete evidence. Matthew chapter 7, verse 3 says, Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? And he comes back to this word he used several times in this, during this sermon. He says, you hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Now, again, we hear people say all the time, well, you're not supposed to judge. Hey, I'm, I'm, we're not supposed to judge each other. That is not what Scripture tells us. Scripture doesn't say don't judge. The scripture actually tells us to judge righteously or judge rightly. In John chapter 7, verse 24, Jesus says, do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. And see, a righteous judge is a judge that's, that's interested in the well-being of the person being judged. Does that make sense? Because I judge my girls all the time. But I judge them with a heart that wants them to get better and improve. Okay? What, what Jesus is condemning is a prideful judgment that happens whenever we see someone else mess up and we go, aha, I would never mess up like that. And Lord knows we don't ever do that, right? Because we're righteous and holy, so we don't do stuff like that. We don't celebrate when our brother or sister falls and then go, well, I would never make a mistake like that. Maybe we don't say it out loud, but it's easy to feel that way in our spirit. And what we're doing is we are judging in a prideful way. And this is exactly what Jesus is condemning. This is what scripture condemns. Now, Jesus says it's okay to judge righteously with a righteous heart trying to help and improve, but it's a fine line and we've got to guard our hearts and watch ourselves. See, what happens when we judge from a pride perspective is we tend to compare our very best to people's very worst. So we compare our intentions to other people's actions. And this can happen in just about anything, even in your marriage. Have you ever had a moment where your spouse does something and you think, I would never act that way? Well, what you're doing is you're comparing your best day to their worst day. I've said this before, and I hope this isn't offensive to you. I would never cheat on my wife on my best day. But on my worst day, I might. And so I've got to guard my heart. I've got to protect myself. Because if I am judging myself in the wrong way, I'm going to put myself in a position to fail miserably. Does that make sense? But when we judge righteously, it allows us to improve. It allows us to get better. It helps others get better as well. <clears throat> this last week, I was so sad. 
<clears throat> over the news about, um, there was a, maybe you didn't see it on the news, but there was this, this hack of this website called, called Ashley Madison. And this website's purpose was to help people cheat on their spouse. <clears throat> and so this group hacked their website <clears throat> and they said, if you don't shut this website down, and I think it was in 30 days, we're gonna publish the names of the people that are on your site. And they didn't do it, and so they published names. And I saw people, godly Christian people, who celebrated online, who were, who were gleefully tweeting and Facebooking messages about, hey, they got what they deserved. And, and to be perfectly honest with you, um, there was a part of me that thought, well, you reap what you sow, right? Like, you made your bed. It sounds like things, you know, I heard when I was a kid growing up in Oklahoma, you made your bed, now lie in it, right? But then I started to think about all the families and all the, the kids and all the loved ones that were impacted by this. And I thought, God, help me not to have a heart that, that's judgmental. Help me have a heart that's like yours. Because I can't imagine Jesus reading that in the news and going, yes, all right. But I imagine he would read that news and he would be grieved in his spirit over the, the wives that found out that their husbands had been unfaithful, or the kids that found out online that their dad had been cheating on their mother. I thought, how dare us judge and think, well, they got what they deserved when there's a, a whole group of people that are mourning and that are hurting, that are at a loss. How quickly we judge others based on what we see and what we think, and what we know. But the truth is, um, the truth is when we judge with prideful spirits, we are wrong and we're in sin. In fact, it goes on to say this in Matthew chapter six, uh, 7, verse 6, um, do not give dogs what is holy and do not throw your pearls before swine, before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Now in Oklahoma, um, my granny, southeastern Oklahoma or eastern Oklahoma, I used to go and spend a week or two with my granny every summer. And um, I've, to I've told a couple stories about my granny. She was an awesome woman. But uh, she lived right next door to my cousins, and they, had, they raised hogs. They had some hogs at their place, and these hogs would get huge. And as a kid, I was terrified of these hogs because they were gigantic. They were like horses or something. I didn't know what was wrong with them. And um, they, they taste delicious, but they look terrifying. And so these hogs were huge. And so when I used to hear, think about this verse, I would think about uh, these hogs like chasing you down, like turning and attacking you. <laughs> and so my, my perspective was way off when it came to this verse. Basically this verse, when it talks about dogs and pigs, you see Paul in, um, in, in some of his epistles, he will talk about dogs. And, and what he's doing is he's talking about Jewish people. And he's calling them, using this term of derision that Jewish people commonly used. So when Jesus said dogs and pigs, he was talking about unclean things, specifically because dogs were filthy. They weren't really pets at the time. They were scavengers. They were animals that would just pick apart food. And so most Jewish people looked at dogs as filthy. Same thing with, with pigs. They didn't eat pork. They still don't eat pork, um, which is funny. We had a, an outreach last year at Kids Fest. One of our teenagers, uh, a couple of ladies from the Muslim, from the, the mosque, down the street. They came and they brought their kids to our kids' fest. And one of our well-intentioned teenagers was greeting people and he was telling them all about the day and he said, yeah, we got free games, free food. Do you like hot dogs? And I was like, no, they don't like hot dogs. He was like, no, everybody likes hot dogs. I'm like, they do not like hot dogs, I'm telling you. But it's part of their religion. For Jews and Muslims, they don't eat pork because it's filthy. And so what Jesus is saying is, don't cast your pearls among the swine and pigs. Don't, don't, don't give 
what has value to, to those things that don't care about the value. Just like it would be ridiculous for me to go and buy a beautiful strand of pearls and take it to my granny's house and be like, come here, hog, come here. And you just wrap that pearl necklace around the hog's neck. It would be wasted on the hog, right? The hog doesn't care. The hog's a hog. It wants slop. It wants to eat. It's, it wants to be eaten. And I'm, I know this, okay? <laughs> the pearls are wasted on the hog. And so what Jesus is doing is he's not saying don't witness to people, but he's saying when you share your faith, when you're sharing the thing that's most valuable in this world, share your faith with people. But when they reject you, use discernment, wise discernment about, hey, should I continue to pursue this or am I casting what's valuable after things that, are in, uh, that are, have no value? Does that make sense? So Jesus is saying use discernment, use wisdom. Don't just chase after Chase after people that may never, ever have a heart to respond to you. See, in Matthew chapter 13, Jesus tells a parable about the sower. This man, he, he was a farmer and he began sowing seed. And some of the seed was snatched up by the birds. Some of the seed went on, on the, the rocky ground and it was burned up. Some of the seed uh, was choked out by the thorns. And then some of the seed found good soil. And so what Jesus is saying is, hey, not everything you do is going to produce fruit. Not everything you do for Christ is going to return, is going to return an increase. Sometimes we have to understand that we are going to sow seed and maybe not see a return. And there are going to be people in our lives that we invite, that we share the, our faith with, and there's not going to be any response. And we shouldn't be disappointed about that. We should understand that this is just how things work. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 says this. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it will be opened. And I love this, and this is a verse that, that sometimes I think well-meaning and well-intentioned Christians use to justify selfish prayers. It's probably the easiest way to put it. We will, we will say, God, I know it's your will for me to have a 69 Camaro murdered out, with, with big wheels and, you know, the custom rims. I know it's your plan because it says in Matthew chapter 7, ask and it will be given to you. So, Lord, I'm asking right now, right? And I, I would compare it to like this. My girls ask me for lots of things. And sometimes they are insane. And sometimes they're reasonable. And I do my very best to bless my girls with everything they need and as much as I can that they want that is gonna be beneficial. But if my girls came to me, my girls, gosh, when they were little, they were asking for social media. My daughter, like when Abby was nine, she was like, Daddy, can I get an Instagram? I was like, no, you can't get an Instagram. What do you have to share with the world? You're nine, right? Like, it doesn't make sense for you to have an Instagram. Ultimately, it's gonna hurt you. It's not gonna be good. You're gonna open yourself up to predators. So no, you don't need an Instagram. But when the time came, she got a little older, and we put some parameters and some guidelines, and we said, okay, we're going to allow this, but here's the guidelines, here's the parameters, here's the guardrails, right? And we allowed it because we felt like this is an opportunity. It wasn't a hindrance. And so there are times we pray for things, and then we think, well, Jesus isn't here in our prayer because he didn't give me the 69 Camaro with murdered out, you know, murdered out with mag rims and all the kind of things I want. We go, no, 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 maybe Jesus heard your prayer and said no, because it's not going to help you. It's not going to be beneficial. It's not going to help you further his calling for your life. 
So we see this, it says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. And when the word seek, when we read this, there's this connotation of action partnered with prayer. So sometimes we pray, but then we don't do anything about fulfilling God's purposes and plans in our lives. But what this is saying to us is that we, we pray, we say, God, I need you to work in my life. And then we do what we can to further God's kingdom, to, to see his will done in our lives. Because too many times we pray and then we just pray, God, if you're a good God, you're gonna answer my prayer. Fix this situation. No, I mean it, God. I know you love me. Mel tells me every Sunday that you love me, so help me out here, God. And we don't see our prayers answered. We don't see response. But I think sometimes God is waiting for us to take a step of faith and for us to step out and do what he's already asked us to do and to be faithful and to, to, to fulfill his callings on our lives. But we're asking and waiting, but we have to seek. We have to, we have to take action as well. And this is knock and it will be open. And the word knock has this connotation of, of persistence. You know, I've talked before about um, my, my killer dog that I have, Lulu, and she's like 11 pounds. And, and we would not have that dog, except I've got a very, 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 very persistent uh, 13-year-old daughter who literally has been asking for this dog since she was about five. She's been asking for a dog. And finally, she wore me slick and you people helped her get this dog. Um, I don't blame you. I do a little, but, um, but what happened? Well, she was persistent. Daddy, I just want to remind you, I still, I still want this dog. Daddy, I will take care of this dog over and over and over and over. And we don't have to wear God down, but there's something about reminding God and being persistent about what our needs are and what's going on in our life. That, that God, is, God is omniscient. He knows everything. He doesn't need us to tell him which way the wind is blowing, but we need to remind him for us that we're still dependent on God, that we still need him to work in our lives, that there's some things we can't work out on our own. So it's good to remind ourselves as much as it is to remind God. Matthew chapter seven, verse nine says, or which, of, or which one of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? This doesn't sound like a kind of a fun joke. If you're a parent here and you've never been tempted to do something like this, then I don't think you're really doing parenting right. Because um, I think we're all tempted at some time to do, play some pranks on our kids. But what Jesus is saying here is, is, hey, when your kids have a need in their life, don't you do your very best to fulfill their need, to help them out? When your kids say, Daddy, all, my, my school clothes, um, none of them fit. I've grown four inches this summer and my pants are not supposed to be culottes. Like, I don't know if that's cool or not. You're right to have your pants. And like, what do you do? Well, I'm going to do my best to get, make sure my daughter has pants that fit, right? I'm not that dad. I'm not going to do that. So what do you do? You, you jump into action. You find a way to meet the needs of your children. Matthew chapter 7, verse 11 says, Then if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Now again, we're, we're talking about needs primarily. We're not talking about wants. And so that's where we get sideways with this thing. But Jesus is saying to the people, he said, you're evil. Don't, didn't that pick me up right there? Like you are all evil, but he's saying compared to God, compared to our heavenly father, you're evil. You're like, you, but you still love your kids really well, right? Like, I don't know how to parent my kids compared to God, but I still do the best I can, right? To love on them, to help them, to support them, to give them what they need. And Jesus is saying, if, if you do that well, how much more is God wanting to come in and support and bless and help and give what is needed? If you know how to give good gifts, how much more does our Heavenly Father know how to give good gifts? See, 
what we have to understand is um, what God is doing in us is far more important than what God can give to us. Now, I've said this before, this whole Sermon on the Mount, the whole thing is about our hearts. And sometimes we get so wrapped up on what we have in our hand that we forget that God's primary purpose is to change our hearts. That's his, that's his focus. That, that's what he wants to do. He wants to conform us more to his will. God's more interested in the state of our heart than our comfort or pleasure. God, Jesus didn't die on the cross to make me happy. He died on the cross to make me new. And we have to remember that, that, that everything we see here is secondary to what is going on in our heart and what God wants to do in us and through us. Matthew seven twelve says this, so whatever you wish that others would do for you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. This is the golden rule. How many times, if you've got kids or grown kids, how many times have you said something like this to your kids? Would you want them doing that to you? Then stop doing that to them, right? And I sometimes don't always quote scripture the way it should be quoted. You know, sometimes it's a little heavier handed than that, but we know this, right? It's the golden rule. Like our teachers taught us this. Hey, do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. But what Jesus says is that this is the law and the prophets. In fact, he goes on in Matthew chapter 22, verse 37 through 40. I'll read this. He says, and he said to him, you should, Jesus was asked, hey, what's the greatest of all the laws? And Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. <clears throat> Jesus said very simply, let's break this down. We make the Old Testament too hard. Let's make it really simple. Love God really well and love the people around you really well. And you're going to fulfill the law. You're not going to have to worry about messing up. Are you going to mess up sometimes? Yeah, probably. You're not going to be perfect. But if you focus on those two things, you're going to get a lot right. And this is what the golden rule is all about. This is why he says, for this is the law and the prophets. Treat others as you would have yourself be treated. So some people are great at pointing out why they've been wronged. I haven't been served, I haven't been helped, I haven't been given, I haven't been blessed. But what we have to start asking ourselves is how have I been a blessing? How have I helped others? How have I served others? Because we live in a society that is all about us and us getting what we want, when we want, how we want, but that is not the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is all about serving others, blessing others, helping others. So when we get to a place where we start asking ourselves why I haven't gotten mine, why God hasn't blessed me, why the people around me don't notice me, why, why I don't seem to have any friends, I would start to ask, how many friends have you made? How many people have you reached out to? How many people have you blessed? How many people have you served? Because we all want those things. My dad's birthday was this weekend, the 21st. He turned 70 years old. And um, now that my dad is 70, 70 seems really young to me now. Uh, when I was a kid, 70 seemed ancient. But now it's like, well, no, 70 is pretty reasonable. I think it's not too old after all, right? But one of the things I loved, my sister lives in that area. <clears throat> they threw a surprise birthday party for my dad. And um, it was at the church. And 75, 80 people showed up for this birthday party. And... Um, I was talking to my dad afterwards. I mean, some of his family was there, some of my extended family, a bunch of people from the church, their pastors, all this kind of things. And um, I was talking to my dad the next day on Saturday. We were talking about it. And um, 
he just said, man, it was so incredible. One of the best moments of my life. And I said, really? And he said, yeah. And he was just telling me about the day. And it dawned on me, this is a guy that spends his life serving other people. He spends his life giving and helping and serving. And in this moment, all these people blessed him. All these friends came around and told him how much they loved him. All these people told him how much of a blessing he was. But you know what he would say? I guarantee he would say, um, it wasn't worth serving. I didn't get enough out of it. I didn't get mine, right? No, he spent his life serving others. And in this moment, he got to reap that. He got a return in that. But he wouldn't say, I wish I'd have done it differently. I wish I'd have been more selfish. I wish I hadn't had spent less time at the church. I wish I'd have given less money away. I wish I would have blessed others less. I wish I would have helped less when I didn't feel like it. No, not at all. He spent his life serving others. And it's a joy for him. Why? Because it's the heart of God. This is the law and the prophets. Some of us spend so much time worrying about sinning and worrying about our salvation that we never take time to serve or bless others, never take time to live our lives generously with others. And then we wonder why we have such a hard time with our faith and salvation. It's because we're worrying too much about the law. When Jesus says this, if you just love God and just love others, you don't have to worry about the law. It will take care of itself. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 says this. It says, enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Now this verse uh, is not the most encouraging verse in the world, <laughs> Right? We're probably not going to see a lot of these verses on scriptures or on coffee mugs. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow, and listen to this part, and the way is hard that leads to life. Those who find it are few. What we're talking about is salvation. What we're talking about is relationship with Christ. What we're talking about is heaven. And what Jesus says is, Getting to heaven is hard. In one way, it's really easy. We put our faith in Jesus. But to actually live our faith out is the hard part. Um, sometimes we make salvation so simple. We, we dumb it down and make it so simple that we take away everything. That we just go, hey, all you have to do is believe. And it's true. We believe. But that enters us into a relationship with Christ. And, and none of the work to get to heaven is our own work. But we have to submit ourselves to the work that Jesus does through us. It's hard to live a faithful life before the world. It's hard to resist temptation. Christianity is not for sissies. Living a godly life is not easy. It's not simple. But we don't do it on our own. We put our faith in God. And then he makes up the gap. He fills in the gap. He makes up the difference. Um, it really doesn't matter who you are. If you are pastor of a church, you've never been to church before in your life. Um, God makes it simple for us to connect with him. But the road after that is not easy, it's difficult. Sometimes you'll hear people say things like, hey, if you got marital problems, give your life to Jesus. It'll be better, he'll fix it. And he can fix it. 
He can do it miraculously. But the truth is, the baggage you have when you walk into a relationship with Jesus, you still have most of the time. He doesn't miraculously get rid of that. You gotta work through some of that stuff. Um, so, <laughs> a while back I, I challenged you guys, I just told you, we believe in truth and love. So the truth is, it's not easy to walk out your Christian faith. It, it's hard to live a lifestyle and live a godly lifestyle in a way that glorifies God. But the good part is, is we don't do it alone. The Holy Spirit comes alongside us. The Holy Spirit empowers us to live that lifestyle for God. But it's not just about going to heaven. It's not just about getting there by the skin of our teeth. It's about bringing a whole bunch of people with us. It's about sharing the good news, sharing our faith. It's about serving others really well, living life with an open hand and saying, God, I want you to use me however you want. I'm gonna be faithful to do what you're asking us to do. And then being strong enough to take that step. Let's pray. God, I love you today. I thank you for your goodness in our lives. Thank you for loving us and caring for us. I just pray your blessing um, on each of us right now. God, open up our eyes to you. Help us to see your purposes and plans for us. God, I pray that you would open up our eyes to everything you've got for us. God, I pray that today you would help us see that you are a good God and that we can trust you. Lord, help us see that you have a, a purpose for us that's bigger than we can dream. And then let us be faithful enough to you to walk in that purpose. Have your way with us, God. Speak to us over the next few minutes. Now, I just wanna ask you if you're here today, and you said, Mel, I don't really have a relationship with Jesus, but I want to. I wanna know him. I don't wanna make him Lord of my life. Maybe you've been to church a whole bunch of times, but you've never really been in a relationship with Jesus. Or maybe you're here today and you've never been to church in your life. You have no frame of reference at all, but you just know in your heart something's not right. You wanna get things right with God today. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up where you're at? Let me pray with you. I'm not gonna make you come forward. I just wanna pray with you where you're at. Thank you, ma'am. Up here in the front. Thank you over here on my left. Who else says that's me? Pray for me. I wanna make Jesus Lord of my life. I wanna start a relationship with him today. I wanna know him. Pray for me, Mel. <clears throat> okay. If you would, I want every person in this place to repeat this simple prayer after me. The word of God tells us that we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Christ was risen from the dead, that he is faithful to save us. <clears throat> but that is just the first step. Then we begin this process of walking with him and being discipled and growing in our faith. So I just wanna say this prayer with you. I want you to repeat this prayer after me whether you raised your hand or not. Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. <clears throat> I give my life to you and I'm gonna hold nothing back. Take my whole life and use it for your glory. I choose to follow you for the rest of my life. I know it won't be easy, but I know you'll be with me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying for me. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, can we give God a round of applause for two people who made decisions for Jesus? Thank you, Lord. Now listen, if you said that prayer uh, and, and you meant it, I would love for you to take that prayer card that's in the seat back in front of you fill out the side that says salvation or rededication and drop it in one of our offering boxes as you leave today. Let us know about that. We wanna help you take the next step in your walk with Christ and help you fulfill the purposes that God has for you. 
Uh, if you need prayer today for any reason, our prayer team is gonna be on either side of the stage. As we go back into one more song of worship, we're gonna worship together. And if you need prayer, our prayer team's here. We can also help you. If you wanna fill out one of our prayer cards, uh, drop it on our offering boxes as you leave today, or you can email us your prayer need at prayer at summittogether.com. We pray over every one of those needs every week in our staff meeting. We take those very seriously. So let us know what your prayer need is. Let us agree with you in that. So why don't you stand your feet all over the room. We're gonna worship together before uh, Steph comes to dismiss us, and then um, we'll be out of here. Guys, I love you more than you know. I'm so honored that I get to be your pastor. Let's worship together one more time.